Hello, welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Got a special edition for you today. My name is Blake Murphy at BlakeMurphy7 on Twitter. Joined by my co-host at Johnny's Football and a special guest today. We have the, uh, I have to say this, uh, I am a big fan of clever, witty Twitter usernames. And to take your name with Clausen and to be able to put the term QB class together, the double meaning that that is, is fantastic. We're joined today at least to break down uh, Cardinals quarterback situation, the choice that they have. We've got Derek Clausen at QB class on Twitter joining us. Derek, how are you doing overall tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. Unfortunately, I cannot take credit for credit for coming up with my name. <laughs> I think I had a, a friend do that for me a while ago, but uh, it is nice. And at this point, I can't really change it. So. <laughs> that's doing- great yeah, yeah you've got the brand strong i know john's got the at johnny's football which is strong and mine was just because blake murphy one through six were taken so that uh shows the creativity that we have here uh derek part of the reason why i wanted to reach out to you just was uh, breaking down at some point i know we wanted to look in the off season of breaking down josh rosen's rookie performance looking at the cliff kingsbury impact after a rough year um i just wanted to kind of start with the context of we were looking in the Cardinals draft of last year in 2018. Uh, Arizona trades up to number 10 on the clock. They pick Rose in the fourth quarterback off of the board. A lot of fans were like, all right, this is great. Team found a guy. He's one of the most pro-ready that was coming out of the draft. Um, you ended up kind of doing a lot of work, at least, and when you broke down how he might fit with the Cardinals and Mike McCoy. It turned into a 3-13 and season, which is, John and I can say I haven't watched it, is actually giving them maybe too much credit. <laughs> it was more yeah. of like an 0-16 type of team set almost NFL standard lows, one of the worst offensive line performances. Um, Rosen Lickloss had a lot of good moments for the most part, but what was some of the things, at least with your breakdown of Josh, that you had at least just from a quarterback evaluation perspective with him coming out of UCLA in 2018? Um, so coming out of UCLA, he kind of had, he was very similar to Jameis Winston in that you saw the way that he broke down the field was very advanced. Like he was very comfortable throwing to the intermediate parts of the field. He was very comfortable standing in the pocket and getting, you know, one to two to three, throwing all types of routes, corners, digs, um, seam, post. It didn't really matter. It seemed like everything was kind of in his repertoire. Um, And he had played in a lot of different offenses at UCLA. He had played in like some West Coast stuff. He had played in some like more spread stuff like Noel Mazzoni. Like he had done a lot of different things and he had handled them all well. So you kind of thought, that was going to be a pretty good precursor for him. Uh, I thought he was really accurate, um, especially in the short part of the field coming out of UCLA. His intermediate was like pretty good, maybe not like elite, but it was like more than good. Um, if anything, I thought his deep ball was kind of bad, but that also seemed a product of UCLA just having awful receivers. So um, I think that played into it a little bit as well. I think Rosen's issues in college, um, and they manifested themselves a lot in the pros because the Cardinals did not have a very good support system for him where his play under pressure can be really bad. Sometimes it's not necessary. It's like the Winston thing where he's clearly not scared to play under pressure, but he just like doesn't know how to react and he doesn't know where his outlets are all the time. And I think that's a big problem for him. And then his mechanics will break down, um, which is a problem. Um, And he kind of has a tendency to force some throws that aren't necessarily there, which again is, is kind of a Winston problem. And it's, not something those quarterbacks typically grow out of. Basically, the hope mm-hmm. is just that they can do so many other things well that it kind of makes up for it. Um, it's, they're not really going to grow out of that. So I think a lot of the problems with Rosen kind of manifested. Um, but I do think a lot of that was just because of the situation in Arizona. You know, like you said, the offensive line was one of the worst we've seen, especially for a rookie quarterback to have to deal with. Um, and that was something he dealt with a lot at UCLA. So you could even argue that like he never has got the opportunity to really fine tune his uh, pocket presence. Um, and then the same problem with the receivers, like the receiving core just wasn't very good outside of like a really old Larry Fitzgerald, who is clearly not the same guy he was five years ago or whatever. So it's kind of the situation with the Jeff Fisher Rams and Jared Goff, Mm -hmm. where it's like, whatever you thought of Rosen as a prospect, it's really hard to say anything one way or another, because like most NFL vets would have been bad in that offense, let alone a rookie that we all knew was going to make bad decisions. Yeah. And Sam Bradford, he, he really was ultimately, I I think also something you touched on with not just the support system around him with the offensive line and with the, uh, the lack of talent at receiver, not being able to sustain a run game, but just the coaching that was there was very fascinating because you got to see a lot of 
these type of running into eight man boxes to own the analytics guy, analytics Twitter for some reason you got to see parts of the field almost I think it was Matt Harmon uh, who's now at Yahoo Sports even talked about how it felt like the, the field had been sectioned off where it was runs up the middle to David Johnson and these out routes that Rosen was consistently late on in, in his rookie year overall and I, I know coming into camp he didn't seem like he, he had some of the I guess you could say the yips or there's either extra hitches or double clutching it was just the, the complexity of the offense Sam Bradford seemed to be able to understand it but wasn't able to execute it and the things I was looking for that were some of Rosen's strengths I saw in college was he was a great RPO quarterback like he didn't have the type of running mobility that you would be able to see as far as picking up large yardage but he was able to uh, be very effective especially on uh, those intermediate passes to like the tight ends or being able to know when to pull the ball down saw some of those in camp never saw it in the main season the cardinals two best receivers after Fitzgerald were probably both running backs and they never lined david johnson up as a wide receiver they never played with a lot of two running back sets um there was just a lot of unsurety about that and they put him into consistently bad situations i know of all right, second and 10, we're running the ball again. It's third and long and yep. dropping back. There was even a play I think that some highlighted where they had four wide receivers running out and running comeback hitches to the ball. And you're oh, supposed to run away from the ball for that. It was just – it was yeah. awful. That's because the then, Marty Morning Wake special. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. And then Rosen, at least, it's this is against, you know, a, a five-man box and they've got four receivers running out. There's a guy who's coming in unblocked. And there's no one who's separate or open, so there's not even a hot read to get to. And that was with one of the Falcons game where Rosen essentially hit the rookie wall, I, I think, in a lot of different ways. And the team got blown out and ultimately decided to move on and move to uh, from Steve Wilkes, who essentially was just not a great fit as far as a team that was 32nd in offense having to run the football, couldn't really run the football or stop the run very well, unfortunately. They hired Cliff Kingsbury, who, and this is something I know with after a lot of study that you had of Patrick Mahomes, even looking back into early Baker Mayfield, some of the other draftable guys like Shimanek and others that are there. Talk about a little bit of what you've seen with Cliff and some of the QB, what he kind of, as far as his, not type of quarterback, but just with how his system and scheme at least impacts what the quarterback position plays in some of your opinion. Um, so one, obviously you're going to throw a lot, but, um, I mean, that's just an area thing. Everybody knows that. Um, but I think one thing that I think people are misunderstanding about Cliff a little bit is that people think that Cliff has a certain type of quarterback. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think if you look over the, the past handful of years, um, you know, he's had success with David Webb. He had some success with Baker Mayfield. Um, Patrick Mahomes is obviously the big one. Um, and then what was the guy who they were playing last year? I think Bowman was his name. Yeah, I played mm -hmm. Bowman last year. Alex Bowman. Davis Webb even was another one who got a couple yeah. of starts, and he ended up in the pros after going to Cal. Like, and he's had all of these different guys, and he's asked them all the time to do a lot of different things. Like, if you look at their offense last year, it was kind of watered down a lot where they were doing a lot more just, like, simple quick outs. They were doing a lot more um, screens and stuff than I think they did with, like, Patrick Mahomes. Um, they were doing a lot more very simple vertical stuff where if you look at like Patrick Mahomes, they're running a lot of stuff that looks like an NFL offense. They're running, um, you know, some of their more complex like Y cross concepts and stuff they're doing. Um, they're like giving Patrick Mahomes empty and just like, okay, figure it out. You can, you, you know, you know what you need to do here. Um, giving him four and five man um, wide receiver options where everyone's doing a lot of different things and you have to understand exactly which parts of the field are going to be open. Whereas um, with, you know, I think he played a freshman last year where he kind of dumbed a lot of that down and did a lot more with uh, moving his formations, moving his receivers pre-snap mm -hmm. to kind of make a lot of clear reads for his quarterback. So I think um, one thing, whether the quarterback is Rosen or whether it's, you know, Kyler Murray, I think one thing um, that people can take away with Cliff is that he's actually very adaptable. It's not just some, oh, he's an air raid, air raid guy, he's going to do this one thing. He actually is, is really good at adjusting to his quarterbacks and, and getting their strengths. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of respect around the league. Derek, specifically, he was going to be an advisor with, I believe, New Orleans during the playoff run uh, with yeah, Sean it the New Orleans, or, or, I think it was the Rams, wasn't it? With yeah, Sean it was with Sean McVay. Yeah, he knew Sean uh, McVay, so that tells you everything. Yeah, right? <laughs> he, he had respect to Bill Belichick. I think a lot of people assume that once he – decided to to leave the college game before he ever thought about being a head coach in the NFL. People assumed that he was going to be on somebody's staff, probably running an offense as, as soon as this year or next year. And when you're a franchise like the Arizona Cardinals, you have to 
go out and be proactive because you're not going to get the, the hot coaching commodity on the market, you know, two or three years down the line. You're just at this point, the franchise is not a destination franchise. So I, I have applauded them bringing in Kingsbury and I thought the marriage with Rosen would work particularly well. And that's why I think what's, it's frustrating for Blake and I to hear the, the media who did not watch this product from last year in Arizona uh, and how poorly uh, the supporting cast and the coaching was that surrounded Rosen was. I like to compare it to what David Carr experienced his, his first couple years um, with the Texans and it essentially ruined his chance to be a successful pro. Um, what do you believe the Cardinals need to do should they stick with Rosen uh, to be successful this, this, in this upcoming season? Because we've talked about it. They're not going to be able to address every need this offseason. Let's assume they stick with Rosen. What would you try to implement, and what do you think Kingsbury would implement with Rosen? Because a lot has been made of the, his lack of mobility, which I don't particularly buy into. But the, the, the folks that are so pro-Kyler Murray can say, well, Murray hides a lot of flaws, specifically with a Cardinal roster that has probably more than any other team in football. What would you try to uh, implement and, and be successful with, with Kingsbury and Rosen? Um, so before I even get to their, their, uh, fit, if, you know, if that even comes to be, um, <laughs> I think I, I kind of want to touch on Rosen's just like the way he's developed. You know, you talked about, um, Carr who kind of pretty much had an impossible rookie season where he wasn't ever able to develop. Um, and I think that's kind of been a problem with Rosen throughout his entire career, whether that be through having, yeah, I think we just watched that. Yeah. Like he's had three or four different coordinators, um, in college, he had like multiple coaches over his first NFL career uh, or his first NFL season. Um, he had turnover, even just offensive coordinator, like everything has constantly changed for him. And you kind of have to wonder, like, at what point are his problems, a lot of his problems just ingrained in him because he's never been able to develop, which I think is kind of scary. Um, but at the same token, you know, like I mentioned with Cliff constantly being able to get the best out of his quarterbacks, I think what a lot of what they need to do is. I think Rosen would actually be very good in an offense that was constantly throwing and doing a lot to just open up yards after the catch and really allow Rosen to win with like three and four man concepts in the quick game. Cause that's, that's personally where I think Rosen is best. I think he's best at understanding pre-snap where he needs to go with the ball. I think he's very good at getting, you know, go through his drop, hit the top of it and just rip um, within about 10 yards. He's really good, you know, slants, mesh um, outs, all that stuff, or at least he wasn't college. And I think, you could get that out this year too. Yeah. We, we can even testify the best time that we saw Josh Rosen perform was in the no huddle situations and in quick mm -hmm. passing situations when he either didn't have to think, or when he was able to think in process, he even attempts to get to his third or fourth read where the defense wasn't able to shift or move into a different spot to kind of bait or confuse him. Uh, he even talked about in camp. He's like, Hey, it looked like they were going to bring an all out man blitz and they dropped eight guys. And I was like, Oh, I've never seen that before. And so it's an area where there's, some progress and some learning at least that's capable some of that maybe there is a ceiling that's still there because we're everyone's a human being but I think you're right on about that because that was where we did see Rosen have some success uh, especially in the end of the 49ers game where he had that two comeback touchdowns late in the fourth quarter yeah that game is should be like everybody's shining hope for like okay this can work out I think I even <laughs> tweeted after that like okay the Cardinals have their guy and then obviously the rest of the season happened and now he <laughs> might not actually be their guy but um, I guess that's another discussion. I, I think the most interesting, the thing I most want to see um, about this pairing, if it happens, is kind of what the offense does with side adjustments. And basically side adjustments are like trying to figure out like a receiver will run a route and based on what the defense is doing in coverage, he'll run it at a certain depth or to a certain point in the field. And I don't think that's something Rosen was asked to do a lot in college and not necessarily in the NFL either. I think a lot of what he was asked to do was kind of rigid like this is where a route's going to break off this is what your timing needs to be such and such and I think some of Cling uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offenses have been a lot more loose and kind of been a more open to interpretation for the quarterback like mid-play and that's something obviously Patrick Mahomes was fantastic at and it's part of why he's so successful and I mm -hmm. I don't think Rosen necessarily can't do that but that's not exactly his style like Carson Wentz is honestly the same way like Carson Wentz wants a thing to be out like he wants a route to break it this time and he's going to throw it this place and he's going to hit the window it might be a really bad window but he has enough arm talent to do it and if it if he doesn't throw that he's just going to run um whereas you know <laughs> yeah. Patrick Mahomes is just very loose you know okay I can figure this out blah blah blah, blah, blah. um so I, I kind of want to see if that's something they can incorporate in the offense with Rosen and if not I, I still think Kingsbury is 
plenty smart and, and Rosen is plenty adaptable to kind of figure something out. Yeah, structure, unstructure, there's a lot of things that seem to be kind of the, with Cliff Kingsbury and a lot of ways why people are really connecting him with um, a guy who we've kind of seen both thrive in structure and on some of these unstructured plays in Kyler Murray. Let's talk a bit about with your, uh, kind of your take, at least what you've seen so far with Kyler Murray, um, because it was interesting with going through it, because I've seen everywhere from people who are just looking at the size, height, measurables, the Oklahoma offense, um, some of the things that are valid concerns, some flags that are like, I, you know, it's hard to see when you got these big 12 quarterbacks who are, you know, facing a three-man rush, like about a third of the time and getting guys who are at the speed open versus on the other side of just seeing the production, the performance, just kind of some of these like crazy throws and I can easily see why when people look at Kingsbury if they think Mahomes and the way he played is how Cliff Kingsbury wants his quarterbacks to be it becomes a little easier to kind of plug in and slot a Kyler Murray into that spot yeah I mean I think Murray makes a lot of sense and it's I think a lot of people have pegged it because he's mobile and I don't you know like we've talked about earlier I, I don't necessarily think that's true I don't think Cliff needs that I think he would get a lot out of it he would probably know what to do with it but um I don't think that's something he needs I think with Murray, I'm somehow like in the middle on what appears to be a very polarizing prospect. Like I think he's pretty good and I absolutely understand if somebody's going to take him like in the top 10 or something. He just seems a little incomplete to me. Like with the height thing, quarterbacks can often make up for their height by being able to move really well inside the pocket and understanding like where their throwing lanes are and stuff like that. And that's not really something I saw a lot of from Kyler Murray. Um, and part of that is the way that Oklahoma split their offensive line is so different than what he's ever going to see in the NFL. Like they had really wide splits in between each of their linemen. Um, and you can't get away with that in the NFL. Cause if you try to do that against like Grady Jarrett, he's just going to blow past your guard and you don't have an answer. And now your quarterback's dead. Like it's just not something you can get away with. Um, but in college they could, cause Oklahoma obviously had like the best offensive line in college football. So I think he's going to have a, a big adjustment period trying to figure that out. Um, the weight, it was nice that he weighed in at 207, but he did not play at 207. He probably played at like 190, <laughs> right. um, mm-hmm. which might be fine. He protects his body really well. Um, but I think as a passer, I think he's actually a really good fit for Cliff because he's actually, you know, kind of like I talked about with, with Mahomes, I don't think he's the same level, but he's very good at like mid-play, just kind of being able to figure something out, um, kind of being able to see like, oh, this, you know, they kind of adjusted to this. Um, you know, this linebacker dropped at certain depth or whatever. Okay, I need to throw this here. Or he needs to move out a little bit from the pocket and make this throw. I think that's something he's very good at. He's an incredible deep passer, which I think Cliff is absolutely going to make use of. Um, I think he's generally accurate in the short area. Um, My one concern with Murray would be like, sometimes over the middle of the field, he's just, I don't know what he's trying to throw at. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think part of that is, is maybe his vision. And another part of it is he has a bad job of being able to adjust his mechanics when he's throwing over the middle of the field because he's trying to get over bodies. Um, and so I think that hurts his accuracy a little bit, but in terms of fit, I, I think it would probably be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that's interesting because it's also an area of where when I was watching the tape on the quarterbacks, it was over the middle of the field. It was almost total opposites where Kyler Murray would seem like he didn't know what he was throwing at windows would close quicker. Whereas with Josh Rosen, you would end up seeing that, that would be, he would be at his best when he's able to, throw into tight coverage over the middle, being able to put the ball perfectly placed. It was fascinating to see, like, you almost have some of these opposites and splits, and it's part of why maybe some people are saying, well, if Rosen hasn't worked out for that one, we think that this probably can go with what we've seen from Cliff. This seems to be why a lot of people, I think, are tying it together, whether or, or why some people tied it together, even before the Cardinals are showing a lot of interest once that video dropped. <laughs> yeah, Derek, would you classify Rosen as a top – quarterback prospect had he come out this year where would he sit for you in the spectrum because I you know I I like Murray fine I have concerns about his height and his durability at the next level especially when you you thrust him into what the Cardinals have going on right now Um, I'm a big Dwayne Haskins guy because I just I think that model works better in the long run uh, and I don't want an outlier 5'10 quarterback with the first overall pick Uh, I know where the league is trending I get you know that you know, size isn't what it once was. Mobility matters, especially with the state of the offensive lines around the league. But at the end of the day, give me the guy who's accurate, that's 6'4", has a little bit of mobility, but at the end of the day can, can work that intermediate passing game. For you, if Rosen were in this class, where would he be? 
Rosen would probably be quarterback one for me um, sure. for a couple of reasons. I thought, I, I think him and Haskins coming out were probably like about as smart as each other. I think, I think both of their calling cards is kind of, they really know how to read the field. Rosen was a little bit more reckless in his decision-making, I think at times, but, mm-hmm. um, and whereas Haskins is a little <laughs> bit more reserved, but in terms of knowing what they're seeing, um, I think they were both really comfortable um, and both opened up what a lot of what their offenses could do. Um, I think Rosen's arm talent was a little bit better. I think some of his peak throws um, were more impressive, especially over the middle of the field. I think Haskins is like plenty accurate, but I think Rosen over the middle of the field in particular was kind of a step above the rest of these guys in this, what would be yeah. this class. Um, and so I think that kind of would put him ahead. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he would probably be like edge out a little bit over Haskins for me. And I like Haskins plenty, but um, yep. I think if yep. you could reset Rosen before last year, I, I probably would take him. Yeah, I think that's where the frustration lies with, with a lot of the Cardinal fans that we interact with is, you know, you just gave up a third and a fifth to move up and, and use the 10th pick last year on Rosen. And, and now you're talking about selling uh, low on, on him where it, probably can't get any lower you've paid him his guaranteed money he's only going to be making six six million roughly over the next three years uh and you're going to take an outlier at, at first overall it just to me it screams desperation it, it you know why not go with what you thought was the the safe choice last year somebody who you didn't really he didn't fall into your lap you you were aggressive you moved up for him the the same general manager is still employed by the franchise and to be able to have a mulligan and to, to sell low on Rosen, it just, it doesn't make sense to me, especially when you watched this team last year and how frustrating it was to see, you know, the product they put around him. So yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I, I, I'm similar, at least with John's thoughts. What's interesting, at least just from the, from what I was looking at with, with Rosen is if you're going to be moving on from him, I think like you even mentioned like the Jameis Winston, I know in the past, I think you've even mentioned like anywhere from like an Eli to, uh, a Matt Ryan comp as well, Derek. And I think that's kind of the question of if you think that Rosen's going to be at that level and Kyler is going to be at a superstar level, maybe there's a difference or whatever that is. You have to be taking a clear upgrade. It's not a struggle at all. If you think that Josh Rosen is legit bad or is not going to be a fit, like you're talking about, like, you know, you're going to say, Hey, well, here's the problem. We've got, you know, uh, you know, Jeff Fisher like type situation with uh, our quarter, with our quarterback where it's just, we're not going to be able to plug this in. Then I think that you would make the change. Do you think that as far as the talent level or the fit, what's kind of as far as the gap that you'd look at as far as Arizona to be considering this as far as not just, you know, taking Kyler Murray, plugging him in. And, you know, we haven't even talked about the fact that he was drafted ultimately by the Oakland A's and has a potential baseball career if the NFL doesn't work out for him. And so it's an interesting spot to be in as well, where a lot of the talk that people had with Josh Rosen last year was, Hey, we don't know if he loves the game enough. We don't know if he's committed. There's not nearly as much of that talk with Murray this year. And I think maybe because he won the Heisman, that's part of it. But what, what is your thought as far as if there's a gap between the two, how close is that gap? Like what's going to be kind of the ceilings that's there. I, I view a lot of the idea of when people say they've got more upside, usually it turns into, well, Josh Allen has the most upside of any quarterback in the class. Well, he's the most athletic and he can throw the furthest is usually what that turns into. Uh, what are your thoughts as far as the gap in between? And is it going to be worth, if Arizona feels like this is still even a good fit, is it worth, you know, the transition to bring in another quarterback, kind of start over and plug in in a spot that could be, you know, one of the few times Cliff Kingsbury has, you know, an NFL head coaching job should things go south. Right. So I think for Arizona, the decision is coming down almost solely to potential. Like, I don't think Mm. what Kyler Murray is year one or even year two matters to them Um, because obviously the team is just in such a bad spot. Um, I I think if you're talking in terms of potential, Rosen is probably like somewhere between like Carson Palmer and like Matt Ryan level where he's more than good enough to be like a Super Bowl contending quarterback, but he's not quite the guys that are you know clear difference makers and clear he's not like, going to carry you yeah, yeah exactly like he's he's as good as whatever the team is and maybe a little better like Matt Ryan I think is is more than whatever is around him he can yeah be. and some of that is it takes time to get there too like we see these right. pocket guys come in what it was interesting with John and I I know we spent a lot of time debating in the draft of when you're a young quarterback you're relying your legs a ton because that makes up for things as you're learning and adjusting to the passing system we've seen Russell Wilson turn from a guy who was handing the ball off you know like 
25 to 40 times a game and would scamper at least at different times, pull the ball down to kind of being in that mold of, hey, he's turning more into a Drew Brees type of guy. He's still going to have some struggles and do some of the Russell Wilson type areas, but he's not, he's going to be able to just, you know, destroy you from the pocket if he gets the chance as well too. So, and I think that that's a thing that takes time and it takes work. It doesn't take giving up right away. And that was something that we've seen some instant success with those other younger quarterbacks, partially because they could use their legs. Rosen, he ran a lot at the end of the year. He had some like long runs once the teams gave up some of the edge and contained, but he's not a mobile guy who's going to, you know, be able to make up for some of those. It's going to take time for him to have to see process, recognize, get things out quicker and to know. And I don't know if that's in a case where it will improve over time. We've seen that with Matt Ryan, or if it's going to be, you know, a, a ceiling. Some NFL teams have questioned whether he has a ceiling because of that athleticism. And because of, like you said, coming out some of the things that you wonder how much of that is here to stay. Uh, I'm not sure what that'll be because that's five years down the road, but what that's some of what I think at least as far as de- quarterback development is it is time. I'm, I know at 21, I was not ready in my first six months and first year of my job to do what I'm doing now for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think it almost solely comes down to potential and obviously like getting into into what about like what potential actually is is kind of a tricky subject because like you mentioned with Josh Allen like you can say like oh he has the biggest arm and he can run pretty well like that makes him the biggest ceiling I think that obviously plays into it because you know if you have an arm like Allen or even Murray th- there are throws that you can make that other guys just can't right. um, but that usually gets overvalued I, I think in, in like potential kind of has to be viewed through the lens of also like what is the realistic floor because that's going to set the baseline for how attainable your it it sets the baseline for how attainable your potential even is because like Josh Allen for example he's extremely inaccurate to like every level of the field uh the way he reads the field is really up and down unless it's like a one or two read thing um and he's not consistent in the way that he reacts to pressure I think Kyler Murray while he's a little more raw in some of those things you see a lot more highlight moments and you see less like clear bad things like the way that he reads the field I think Lincoln Riley dumbed down the offense a little bit for him but also he was a first year starter so of course they did Mm -hmm. Um, and he did really he did fairly well in operating that Um, I think the way that he reacts to pressure is actually fantastic I think he has some limitations in terms of his height with what he can do from standing in the pocket and, and reacting to pressure but you know he's not scared and he usually knows how to find his outlets he usually knows how to make plays and so I think all of that actually sets a pretty high baseline for him to be able to come in and produce immediately and feel comfortable about playing and feel comfortable about developing because he already has a handful of things that he's good at and can kind of make up for other things. Like with Rosen, you know, like you said, Rosen can't really run. Um, He doesn't want to get outside of the pocket. He can do it from like time to time, but he's not, you know, Lamar Jackson or something like that. It's not (laughs) something he can rely on um, where he, like mistakes when he's making them like he has to learn instantly from the pocket whereas like Murray can kind of slowly figure this out like you mentioned with Russell Wilson yeah and that's what's interesting as far as the kind of instant impact and turning around and versus the long-term approach as far as if there's going to be Rosen with when people talk about his mentality learning like he you know came in as a true freshman at UCLA and he still was ready in week three to be able to run the NFL offense there's uh, plans that we have at least uh, I, I think at least you can talk about with um, uh, with being able to they wanted to bring in Sam Bradford and they even brought in a backup and Mike Lennon it didn't work out there's progress that you've been able to see in some of the different areas over the season like some of the complaints that I had uh, was he wasn't using his legs early enough or he would just kind of react and run too late out of the pocket gets dragged down from behind later it was just kind of a spot where you especially during like with the Green Bay game the I was at the Cardinals Rams game at the end of the year at one point Larry Fitzgerald led the team in passing yards David Johnson led in receiving yards as a running back Rosen led in rushing yards because the Rams could not contain him on the edge being able to kind of take off and run because they were able to get interior pressure up front and he was like well hey like you know they don't have any edge players on the Rams he was able to kind of duck around and was able to pick up some yards whereas it was something earlier in the season he wasn't so there's steps and I think there's always room that you can improve the biggest thing I think that you're right on Derek is how much of that when it's going to be under when things are out of structure when things are going and breaking down is that something where Cliff is able to game plan and be able to say okay here's how we have we've got a play call that's planned where we're able to recognize this spot with a screen where we're able to know uh, he's going to have a check down here a lot of the time what I saw with Kyler Murray was things were very easy for him in part because Lincoln Riley 
put him in a great place to succeed. There would be times where it's a third down and seven. None of his reads at least are open. They're kind of playing contain in the pocket. And he just checks it down to Hollywood Brown, two yards in the line of scrimmage, and Hollywood just breaks away from that one, runs out of bounds. There was a great idea of, okay, perfect. He knew exactly what was going to be his man's going to be his man. And I think that if the Cardinals have that guy in Cliff, then that's going to be at least the best way to help Rosen succeed. It's also going to be a spot where why I think a lot of people are excited for Kyler Murray. It's not like the Cardinals are, you know, having to look at, is this a Josh Allen or a Josh, a Jake Locker at the top of the draft? It would be a person who you feel like could come in and be able to contribute right away if they do make that decision at um, quarterback. So uh, I want to kind of put a little bit more on the spot then. So Derek, let's say that you are, Cardinals GM Steve Kime had the worst year of your career on field off field. <laughs> you just hired Cliff Kingsbury for that one. He's a guy who has this knowing of this connection, at least he's had with, um, with Kyler Murray. You also know that part of the reason why he took the job and why you gave him the job was ultimately um, whether it was choosing the Jets job, uh, choosing the Cardinals job, I should say over the Jets job in part, because we, I, I, we think that there was part of it was you didn't want to get forced with Greg Williams as a rookie head coach, which seems to make some sense. And things are a little bit out of whack there, but you came in and he, there's reports that the Cardinals owner and GM were sold on what Cliff Kingsbury could do because he broke down film. Here's how I can improve Josh. Here's plays I'd call. Here's things I could do. So you've kind of got this balance then of here's what I've got with Josh Rosen, this guy you've already drafted. Here's this potential of Kyler Murray. It's your decision, your call. You've got the number one pick. Are you looking to keep Rosen, try to trade down, take another talent? Are you looking to draft Kyler Murray? What would you do if we were on the spot? Uh, personally, I think they're in a fine spot with Rosen. Because like I mentioned before, I think Rosen was, was probably a better prospect than, than Murray was. I think I liked him a little bit more um, than I do Murray coming out. Um, part of that is just like one-year starters are don't really have a very great sample size. So that, that kind of hurts it for me. And Rosen was obviously a three-year starter started as a freshman. Um, but I think it just gives them so much more like that first overall pick could do so much more for the team or not more. Cause like, obviously if Murray hits, he would be valuable, but it could do so much right now. And you already have like a pretty good quarterback on hand. And so I think personally I would keep him and I would pretty much give Cliff like an entire draft of just take whatever you want on offense. Obviously if, if the first overall pick, I guess unless they trade out, would probably be a defender because it would be Bosa or Quinnen Williams, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but after that, pretty much just give Cliff like free reign, like here, fix the offense. And I think especially they need receivers over offensive line, um, primarily for what Cliff is going to do for the offense. Because I think it is going to be a lot of quick throwing um, and a lot of setting up those quick throws to succeed very well to where the offensive line being bad is still going to hurt. But it's kind of going to be like an – a giant a New York Giants situation where like the offensive line is clearly bad but they're getting the ball out so early so consistently that you're not really feeling the effects of that as often as maybe you should um and so I think yep. that's something they should do I the only concern I have about them actually doing that is if you're taking such a big swing on a guy like Cliff Kingsbury you probably are giving him the autonomy to take a quarterback at one if if he feels that that's the right choice do you yeah, think that, those were part of the, the conversations when they, when they brought him on? Because I, I know they had conversations toward the end of the year. They knew they were moving on from Steve Wilkes, but they didn't know that, that Murray had, had an NFL future. They, they, a lot of people just assumed at that point, at the end of 2018, that he was going to play baseball. And so you bring Kingsbury on board with the notion that he's going to work with Rosen. That was kind of the, the selling point to the fan base um, and – based on what you want to believe he even chose the, the Cardinal job over the jet job, which in turn he meant that he picked Sam, uh, Josh Rosen over Sam Darnold. I don't know if, you know, that that's, that's just public perception. Now I think the narrative has turned a little bit that well, all along it was, it was going to be Murray and, and Kingsbury together. That was part of the package deal. I'm, I'm not, I don't buy that as much. I, I think that as we've, we've gotten closer to the fact that Murray's is going to play football and, people are maybe studying his tape a little bit closer. It's like, oh, wow, this is an option we didn't think was available. And, and so they're exploring that, which, you know, at the end of the day, should they or shouldn't they? You know, I, I'm a big Rosen supporter. You know how I feel about that. But at the same time, like, I, I can understand it. But I, I generally don't don't think they know what they're going to do yet. Um, but I like the idea of having Josh Rosen and Joey Bosa, Josh Rosen and, and Quentin Williams rather than Kyler Murray and you know, if you're able to get a first round pick for Rosen, some player in the in the mid to late teens, I, just to me to, to build to build this team and, and to know that you're you're several years away from contending. 
I, I think it sets your franchise back to, to roll the dice on Murray, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I don't know if it's uh, exactly a, a setting it back so much as you are, again, as like you're saying with it, rolling the dice, you are expecting almost instant results because you are saying, Hey, like we're moving on from this quarterback because we think this guy is that much better. That would be the biggest concern I would have is if Rosen goes on and performs plays well, even if Marie does play well, there's always going to be kind of that question mark that you'll have of, did you really need to move on some of the lost value, especially when you're looking at team building and how Cardinals do need help on the defensive line with, um, you know, they, they have a one-year deal right now, at least for, a, you know, thir- what is it, 37-year-old um, Terrell Suggs, who's back in the Valley, at least. It's not going to affect. They don't really have any defensive linemen for the most part. So that's where you are ultimately kind of taking a guy who could be an impact on the defensive side off of the field. And, you know, Rosen, he's not really had a strong competitive defense in most of his career, either at UCLA or with the Cardinals last season. Um, it was interesting to me and why I think I – even with looking at the upside of Murray, if you can like, there's arguments you could maybe make for maybe you could say he's not Patrick Mahomes, but a discount Mahomes, a smaller, maybe lesser version, even if you're going to make that argument as far as the ceiling and how high it is, just looking at Rosen in year one with a bad team and how there was at least five games that I was able to go through where he put the team essentially in position to be able to win the game. And three of those five times, the team essentially like let him down, whether it was a bad play call, whether it was the defense just letting the Raiders basically complete, like not, not a Hail Mary, but just drive down the field. And then a, uh, another dropped pass, at least I know that they had from um, the Seahawks game where he had driven them down into you know, essentially a touchdown difference. Guy drops a pass in third down, they kick the field goal. And Russell Wilson takes the ball back with another minute left or so against, you know, Steve Wilkes defense in their last game of the year gets them the win there. And uh, it'll just be interesting. A lot of Cardinals fans that I talk to, there's some that are very diehard on wanting Kyler Murray, but the majority just say, Hey, let's, we like Josh. We've seen enough from him. They just kind of want to add more talent around him or trade back to be able to get some of that. And the biggest thing I think people are just saying is, Hey, if you protect this guy, it'll probably be pretty good. There'll be hiccups here and there. He's not going to end up going out there and, you know, d- destroying teams with like craziest touchdown interception ratios. But I think that's kind of where we're balanced on. It's just is very confusing how much of that smoke and fire, how much of that is, you know, what we're underestimating is maybe it's just the personal connection between Cliff and a guy that he knows. And that's maybe what the NFL all ends up being about overall. But as we're recording this, the Cardinals did end up meeting with Kyler Murray today. And as by all accounts, Derek, most people seem to believe that Murray is going to be the picket at number one. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier with with Cliff maybe signing just because he knew he could take Murray. I don't think it necessarily meant he would, but I think he I think part of wherever he signed, he had to have that autonomy of like if I want to do this, hmm. this is something I can do. Whether or not, you know, he got in and and really talked to Josh Rosen, really liked Josh Rosen, you know, thought he could fix him, all these other stuff. Um it is kind of, you know, maybe he figured that out after the fact, but I do think him being able to have choice of his quarterback was probably pretty big for him. Um, if they're not actually taking Kyler Murray, they're doing a very good job of baiting this <laughs> pick out. Um, and they're probably going to get a disgusting haul for it if they choose um, of not to take Murray. Yeah. yeah look, we're all interesting. We're all hoping that that's, that that's a reality that, that they can potentially trade down with an Oakland or a, or a, or a New York at this point, although it seems unlikely really it, it, to me, it's Oakland or bust moving down from one to four um, based on, on what you hear about what the Giants and their, what the Giants are doing, their, their, their preference for, for quarterbacks and, you know, moving outside of the top 10 at this point would seem kind of unrealistic. So I think many fans just assume at this point, it's either going to be Murray or trade down it. The, the Boza talk really, and Quentin Williams for that matter is, is really kind of died down to the point where it's like, it's assumed by the national media that it's going to be Murray Cardinal fans are hoping if they're not on the on the Murray bandwagon that they they are able to to get some kind of a package from Oakland because Oakland has those two first round picks. But then everything you see in um, outs within Oakland is that they they are pubbing up Derek Carr to be their quarterback. That they're having uh, he, he and AB together on social media. So it really kind of throws a wrench into this whole thing. At the end of the day, I. I don't think they're going to be able, even if they want to trade down, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to. I, I don't think there is a demand for Murray like there has been for Wentz a few years back. I, I, just, I don't think this quarterback class is viewed, like you mentioned, 
Derek, I, I think a lot of people had multiple quarterbacks last year graded higher to, than any of these guys this year, and I don't think there's a demand for quarterbacks like there has been in the past. There's only probably four or five teams in the entire league who, who don't have someone they consider the guy. So uh, I think the Cardinals, if they don't intend to take Murray, are probably going to have to go with a defensive player, even though I know Steve Kime, the GM, would love to trade down. I also think uh, it might even be a particularly bad year not just in terms of the quality of the quarterback class, but like which teams would theoretically trade up. Cause like Denver Elway, Elway's not going to be in on a five ten quarterback. Like that's not happening. Right. Um, the same thing, Gettleman, like he's not going to be in on a five ten quarterback. So what is your other option? Like maybe the dolphins, but the dolphins are clearly not in position where they think they have a team ready for a quarterback, yeah. um, especially somebody so like outliery like Murray. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you actually raised a good point about, like, who, who who would they even trade out with? I guess unless somebody really wants Bosa, it would be, like, mm-hmm. the only real way to trade back, I guess. But, but yeah, there's no the to, about it. to somebody else. You know, I think yeah. that's the kind of the counterpoint for the Cardinal for the Cardinals is, especially if you take Murray, you're, you're gifting Joey, or excuse me, Nick Bosa to a division rival in San Francisco. And you have to be come to grips with that. And so I think that that, that is – kind of an underlying point that I don't think is getting talked about enough. Blake and I have certainly discussed it a lot, but it, it's twofold because I think a lot of people just assume, and me included, I think Nick Bosa is going to be a really good player in this league. And you're going to pass on him. You're going to trade Josh Rosen, who a lot of people think is a good player and has a chance to be a great player for an outlier quarterback. There are so many, there's so much riding on this pick. If you take Murray and you could fumble your franchise into you know, irrelevance for, for, I think, five to ten years based on this decision alone. I think that's why I, I really believe they don't know what, what they want to do yet. Yeah, or if they do know what they want to do, like Derek said, they're doing a great job at least of you know, <laughs> playing through. Maybe it is an area of where they're having to go through and consider, and I'm, I'm sure the building is probably split some. I mean, like if the teams reportedly last year, we did, we did see pass on Rosen were the Broncos. We know that the Giants would be maybe the team that has the most interest. Maybe that's a spot. Derek, what would you kind of write if you were to – I've heard anything from, for the most part, it seems to be like I'm hearing any of third-round pick. I hear some saying because of the contract, you should be able to get a first back with that one that his value can't have – gone down too much and you're not having to pay guaranteed money what would be kind of if you're looking at the essential case what would be kind of the offer that you would be looking for as far as you know for if the cardinals were to take kyler murray at one and you're looking to move josh rosen what would be kind of the compensation that you would have because the only team i think that john and i have talked about if miami is going to be all in the tank for two of which i think some people are saying um which will probably go unsuccessfully once ryan fitzpatrick goes six and ten um <laughs> just seems to happen every time uh what would be the compensation you'd look for what would be other teams that you would identify maybe that wouldn't be as evident to ones at first or might be a good fit or see themselves as a fit for rosen and his skill set um so washington seems like out of the question um i feel like the biggest wild card and i'm certainly not the first one to mention this would be new england obviously it kind of depends on how long brady is going to play and nobody ever knows the answer to that question um so that that's probably the only like that's that's the only like wild card that really sticks out to me um i think in terms of compensation it would have to be a second and here's why i think so for the quarterbacks that are going to go this year, you're going to get, you know, let's assume the Cardinals take Murray at one. So he's off the board and let's assume somebody takes Haskins in the top 10, whether that's a trade up or New York or whoever the hell. Um, and then let's assume one of Drew Locke or Daniel Jones also go somewhere in the first. In the second round, you're not going to get a quarterback prospect who is even close to what Rosen was. Mm-hmm. So that like that has to be the starting point of your trade. Um, because otherwise, like, you're just losing value. Because, like, you can bait another team. Like, if they wanted a quarterback and missed it in the first, they're not going to get anything better in the second. Like, if Daniel Jones falls, that's not better than just trading for Rosen. If Locke falls, that's not better than just trading for Rosen. Um, If you like Greer in the second, that's also still not better than just trading for Rosen. So I think um, the second round kind of has to be where you start. You probably shouldn't go lower than a third. Um, probably shouldn't go lower to a third. But I mean, 
Yeah, the, I, they the have leverage. no leverage. Like if they're that's already the taking part. Murray, yeah, you don't have any leverage. Yeah. Which well, that's, is, that's what's interesting is the thing that I've wondered about would be if they're taking Kyler Murray and usually how you'd think on paper, you would think, well, they should keep both quarterbacks, try to build that up, maybe create a trade value. If they're only getting a third back, try to create leverage for a second. We've seen a team like trade a first pick round pick for Sam Bradford of all things when Teddy Bridgewater went down. But on the other side of the reality of when you've got the two quarterbacks and if one ends up performing, you know, better than the other, or if there's one who's, Oh, this is the guy who was there last year, new guy with the team. One is more outspoken. One of them is quieter. And with the agents getting involved of like, he doesn't want to see, you know, his client waste his, you know, rookie quarterback contract potential where he could be starting for another team or trying to be able to put toward that big second contract. It just doesn't seem like it's as much of a reality, but it would be interesting to me if the Cardinals essentially decided to say, Hey, we don't want to bite the bullet at least right now. We're going to keep both quarterbacks, try to build up that value and leverage. And then when a team does get truly desperate, it's like picking in the top, you know, five or so, and is not able to get one of the top two quarterbacks. Then you say, all right, Hey, we're trading Rosen, but we need your second this year. We need your third this year. Or you're going to have to, like, you know, give us your, you know, pick number 20 if that's where you're picking. I, I don't know if that would be the case, but that would be the only other thing I could think of that would be a possibility if the Cardinals were to say, hey, we're just going to take two. And what, what's interesting to me is I don't think that's going to happen because that's what people even talked and joked about with the Browns last year at one and four. Yeah. It just it doesn't happen. You want to have your quarterback as too central to the team. But it, it would be interesting to me to see is how right now Steve Kime, as long as he's got that number one pick and he's got the opportunity to take Kyler Murray, effectively he's like, hey, I've got two quarterbacks right now. I can see what the value is of one, try to justify it for the other. And I think that some of that is leveraging and playing. Um, I know John and I have talked, it doesn't make sense for you to know in March that you're, it doesn't make any sense as far as knowing hey, or having all of the other teams and letting the world know you're drafting Kyler Murray um, unless you're just going to take him no matter what, it doesn't matter. And that's what a lot of the media is saying is that it doesn't matter that there's no subterfuge or anything for that one. Like, I don't know if a team would offer, you know, would Oakland give three first round picks from and then Arizona would listen because they have a quarterback. I don't think that, I don't know if that's the case if they love him that much, but uh, it's interesting. What would be kind of the question then for you, Derek, if you were say trading up to one, what would be something you would give up? Let's say if you're just a GM or you can pick a team for a guy like Kyler Murray, or would you trade up to that type of a spot for a guy like a Kyler Murray? Is there any type of opportunity that you would see for that? Uh, I personally would not trade up for Kyler Murray um, in that spot. I would either force them to walk their, walk their value down like extremely low. Cause obviously, you know, you, like you mentioned, they, they have really no leverage. Um, sure. Whether they take Murray or not. Um, I think in terms of compensating for that pick, I think part of it too, because they don't really have leverage, like you either take him and you get two quarterbacks or you don't take him and okay, you already have a quarterback who cares. Um, I think it would, the best situation is probably like Oakland just saying screw it and sending both of their first round picks. That's probably your best bet. Outside of that, I don't think anybody else is going to really want to give up any value in next year's class because of some of the guys they might like there, mm. uh, which I think a lot of people are thinking that's going to be a deeper class with more interesting options at the top. Absolutely. Yeah, between Tua, Fromm, Herbert. Like, you're going to have, I think, more interesting guys. Um, and so I think unless you're Oakland, who already has those two first-round picks now, you probably don't want to give up your first-round pick and all your value in next year's first round if you mm. think you might be able to find your guy next year. Yeah, for sure. That seems to make a lot of sense. Um, well, yeah, you mentioned the New England Patriots. That'll be interesting. I don't know. There's been ups and downs to that one. Actually, I'm probably going to be jumping on a Patriots podcast because they're asking you because they're thinking about trading for, for Josh Rose. But what would be any other teams or situations, scenarios you could at least envision at least just as we kind of wrap up with our interview for tonight as far as with Rosen and Kyler and with the other quarterbacks, what are some of the other fits that you see for the most part? in this class because I just see either unless if, if the giants are going to be sold enough on Josh Rosen to maybe give up their second rounder, or if they decide to say, Hey, let's seal the deal for that one. We'll give you pick number 17. And that maybe pushes Arizona over the top for some of the decisions. Otherwise I think that Daniel Jones would be their quarterback that they have. What are some of the other <laughs> picks or fits that you're at least seeing so far? Um, like is a team like the Jaguars even going to consider a quarterback after the money they're paying for? So would a team that we thought would take a quarterback in the Chargers or Patriots or someone last year? Like what would be, there's always seems to be one surprise in every single round. Who'd be kind of the surprise for you this year? Uh, that's kind of tough. Like at this point, I don't think the Jaguars are going to end up taking a quarterback, at least not in the first round, because like when they were thinking about signing fools, I was like, okay, if it's a two year, $45 million contract, 
they could totally get out of this and they could get by with taking a quarterback. They signed him to like a hundred million dollars. So that's, that's completely out of the question. They're so desperate to not take Haskins or Murray or Mahomes or or like, we don't let good quarterbacks in Jacksonville give us our, you know, the, give us the Josh Allen type all all, all day long. (laughs) Exactly. So they, they've screwed themselves. I think Um, in terms of the other guys, Haskins, I think Haskins would be great in Oakland, but kind of like you mentioned, it seems like they're kind of all in on Carr at this point. Um, at least maybe for the duration of his contract, we'll see. I think the the wild card or whatever for Haskins is probably um, Cincinnati um, because yep. they really need to change literally everything that they're doing, and they already did that with their coaching staff. And so I think bringing in a guy like Haskins when you've already got a quarterback coach kind of in place, I think. And you've got Dalton at least in a pretty affordable deal if you need to get your quarterback up to speed and take right. over. Uh, you've got A.J. Green. There's a lot of things that seem to be lined up where I think that you're right. That could be an interesting spot as far as if the – team would maybe I don't think they would move up to one obviously they're picking at 11 but that would be in probably more Cardinals fans if you moved and said you moved them to 11 but you got their you know 2020 first round pick and a second rounder this year I could see a lot of Cardinals fans saying hey you're sure sign me off I don't mind moving out of the top 10 if I can get a probably bad Cincinnati team's first next year it'd be similar to the you know the watching of the Mahomes trade potentially and you pick up another you know, pick at the top of the second right. round. And then at that point, the Cardinals fans at this point, I think we just want to know who our quarterback is going to be, Derek. That's all we want to know. We thought we knew already. And now we're just wanting to know again. Well, Blake I and I, I the yeah, so do we. Well, Blake and I talked about it on a previous podcast. We brought up Cincinnati as kind of a sleeper team to, to maybe want to move up at some point and kicked around the idea of, you know, they took Billy Price in the first round last year uh, and the Cardinals need help in the worst way in the offensive line. I, I, I would like the Cardinals to somehow get creative um, with a trade-down package because, you know, the general manager, Steve Kime, for the Arizona Cardinals is probably on a year-to-year basis, had an extreme DUI last summer. If he were to trade Rosen, he'd be over on first-round picks since he started uh, as, the, as the GM in, in 2013. And so I, I just think it makes more sense viewing it from his perspective. Like, what do I want future picks for if I'm not going to be the one spending those picks um and so i just I, I keep going back to some to somebody like oakland who has multiple first rounders that he's he's able to utilize this year um but at the end of the day you know the the, the more and more we dive into this the more and more i, I have to come to the realization that they're going to trade rose and, and and take uh and take murray yeah, and I'm I'm kind of in the spot of I've I've said it's more of a just from people I talk to the interesting and this is something I know I'm gonna go into is it seems like all of the national media is so centric on the local Arizona media and a lot of the people either I talk to or some of it say like this doesn't make as much sense for them to do so it's like once those people if they start changing their tune on the Cardinals taking Murray that's kind of when I'll buy in for the most part um, but I agree with you Derek right now it seems like all indications are that there's a lot of reasons why the Cardinals could take Murray make a lot of sense. I think we're in the same boat as you. We would probably stick with Rosen, look at trading or, you know, taking at least one of the other talents that's there. But um, yeah, as we kind of wrap up, at least for this, uh, Derek, where can they find your work, at least whether it's sites or interacting you? I know we've named your Twitter account already, but where can people who are fans of your work and the, you know, kind of quarterback evaluators, where can they find you and in, uh, in your material? Yeah, you guys can find me uh, on Twitter at QB class with a K, like we mentioned earlier. Um, you can catch me mostly at Football Outsiders. Um, I do their film room during the season. I've been doing some draft profiles um, lately, and then we'll have our almanac in the summer. And then I'm also helping out with Bleach Report, some of their um, free agency mess and, and draft stuff uh, leading up through the through the draft season. So that's where you can catch me right now. That's great. Class with a K. It's like you already have the Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals <laughs> branding that they have is already down right. pat for that I, one. So. I was in, you know, six, you know, when I made that name, I was in like five <laughs> years ahead. I, I knew what was coming. Uh, you were there for that one. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining us, Derek. Uh, have a good rest of your night. And uh, thank you, Cardinals fans, for listening in. Again, you can find us with the Run to the Birds podcast listing, whether it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Blake Murphy7, Johnny at Johnny's Football, as always. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, go Cards. <laughs>